0: Father, thank you that um, that we are we are privy to things hidden since the creation of the world, that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us, ourselves to us, the way this world works to us. Um, and so I pray as we look at your word now, that you would do that, your, your spirit would be at work amongst us, that you would open our um, eyes, that you would soften our heart, that you would uh, cause us to... To trust you, to follow you. Amen. I reckon um, many of us here will have been glued to the news over the last week or so, as events have unfolded in Ukraine. I've found myself feeling um, frustrated and sad and angry um, at what's been going on. As we look on at the, the bombing and, and the bloodshed We feel powerless to do anything, and and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's been wondering how on earth all this is going to end. It felt to me that the world was just getting back to normal again, that we'd been watching and living through years of headlines of of unnecessary deaths due to COVID, and of people suffering long after the infection had gone, of um, overworked and traumatised medical staff, of, of businesses going bust, families grieving and not being able to see their loved ones as they die. Just like I felt that was starting to ease up, then now this is happening. And then that's not to mention some of the other things that are going on around the world. Some of the things that we maybe are hearing less about at the moment. that The horrific war that's going on in Yemen. Bombings in Pakistan. Deforestation. Climate change. Are the things that are going on more personally in our lives and in our families and the ones we love. The list could go on and on. Now, that's a grim way to open a talk uh, on a Sunday. But the reason I'm doing so is this. Because sometimes we see all of this evil, all of this brokenness and, and suffering, and we can't help but ask the question, where is God in all of this? Because surely if God is real, if God is good, if God is just and powerful, surely he could do something about it, couldn't he? How do we make sense of this? And these questions we're grappling with issues that people have been grappling with for hundreds, for thousands of years. And we're going to think about it a bit this afternoon and some other things as well. We're going to look at some parables that Jesus taught. And we're going to be thinking about these kind of questions just to try to start to marry up how Christianity can be true and these things still be true present in the world, this awfulness, still be around us. That's what we're going to be trying to do this afternoon. We're not going to get all the answers, <laughs> um, but we're hopefully going to begin to think through these issues. And the way that Jesus is talking about these issues, particularly in, in, in this section, um, is by talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, that may be a, fa- a phrase that you've heard before. It was one of Jesus' favourite ways of talking about the work that God is doing on earth. When Jesus came to earth, it was announced that the kingdom of heaven is here. Now on the face of it, if you were there in in first century Israel, nothing seemed to change. They were still occupied by the Romans, there was no sudden regime change, no changes to government, to, to the laws, to the way society was run. So. In what sense was the kingdom of heaven here when it was announced when Jesus arrived? The kingdom of heaven of heaven is here. In what sense? Well, to get our heads around what the kingdom of heaven is, we first have to recognise that a kingdom is ruled by a king. The kingdom of heaven was here because the king was here. That was Jesus' claim. Jesus was claiming that, that God was beginning a new kingdom, a kingdom where he was king. It was a kingdom not marked by geography, but by allegiance to that king. All who accepted Jesus as king would be part of this new kingdom. And through the Gospels, Jesus does a a whole load of teaching about what this kingdom would be like. In our section today, we have three little stories or parables that tell us, and, and, and they all start with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like... Dot dot dot. And so, as we look at them, we're going to see three things about this kingdom. We're going to see that it's a, a mixed kingdom, that it's a growing kingdom, and that it's a coming kingdom—a mixed kingdom, a growing kingdom, and a coming kingdom. So let's um, start with the first of those: a mixed kingdom. Now, before we get stuck into the stories that Jesus um, shares, let me just give you a few thoughts about parables. Parables were one of Jesus' favourite ways of teaching. Jesus would often take kind of everyday, ordinary, familiar things of life, things that his listeners were used to hearing about, and he'd tell a story using these things. He'd tell stories about farming or, or fishing or or building or cooking. But the story that he would tell would have a deeper meaning. That's what makes them a parable. And we see that in the middle of our section today. We're told that this deeper meaning of a parable is is designed to show us something about God. Some spiritual truth. The language that was used in verse 35, I don't know if you spotted it, was that parables show us things hidden since the creation of the world. That's what a parable does. A parable is simply an everyday story of ordinary things that reveal to us spiritual truths that have been hidden since the creation of the world. Now, that sounds, on the face of it, pretty straightforward, but my experience is that we can often get ourselves kind of tied in knots a bit when it comes to reading parables. And here's the mistake that we often make when we read a parable. We look at the story that Jesus tells, and we try to make every little detail of that story represent something. So we think, OK, so who's the father in this story and who who's Jesus? And and there are two coins, so one must represent, I don't know, the law and one must represent the prophets. And we think the field, well, that must be the church or, or the world. And then who's the Holy Spirit and who am I in the story? And we we kind of get tired in not trying to make every little detail of the story represent something. What we're trying to do there is make the story into an allegory where every detail represents something else, but the vast majority of the time when Jesus tells a parable, that's not what he's doing. So here's the top tip for understanding parables. Generally speaking, parables have one simple point. Normally we're to take the things in the parable at face value and look for one big idea, one central meaning, one big teaching point that Jesus is earning at. And if you read parables like that, then usually you'll get to the point of what Jesus is saying. Now the only exception to that. Is when Jesus himself tells us what the different parts of the parable mean. Like in the parable of the sower, if you know that one. Unless Jesus tells us that different bits of the parable uh, kind of represent different things, we're best to assume that there isn't some kind of hidden code that we have to uh, kind of puzzle out. Instead, what we should be doing is looking for one simple central idea. So that's the kind of top tip for the day for understanding parables. Now, all that being said. (laughs) One of the parables that we're looking at today is one of those where Jesus does tell us like what all the different bits represent. So this is kind of one of the ex- exceptions. And um, so let's get stuck in and kind of uh, let's explore some truths that have been hidden since the creation of the world. So the story is straightforward: the parable of the weeds. A, a farmer goes into the field and he sows his crop, his his crop of wheat. But while he's asleep, an enemy comes into the field and he also sows some seeds. But these are, these are weeds. So, so time passes, the crops grow. But in amongst the crops, the weeds also grow. And his, his servants come and he says, why don't you just pull the weeds up? And the man says, no, we'll, we'll let the weeds and the crop grow together. Because otherwise, you might pull out a weed and you might accidentally pull out some of the crop as well. We'll let them grow together. And then at harvest time, we will separate the, the, the wheat from the weeds. So it's a simple story. And then um, you have a, couple, uh, a few of the verses, and then Jesus explains what that story means. And this is what he says. He says, the field is the world. Jesus says that he himself is the sower, and the seed that he puts out into the world are Christians, people of the kingdom, people who, who he's chosen and, and, and made part of his, his family. So Jesus is the sower, the feed is the world, the, the field is the world and he soars Christians in amongst the world, but then along comes the enemy the devil and the devil also sows in the seed in the field and the, the, the weeds that are in the field are the devil's kind of followers. He says these are people who cause sin and do evil and they live alongside so these weeds, these people who cause sin and do evil, live alongside the people of the kingdom, the Christians. They, those two groups coexist. They live side by side in the world. That is, until the harvest. Until Jesus returns and the two groups are separated. The, the people of the devil, face judgment, and the people of the kingdom of heaven will be with the Father. That's the story, in a nutshell. And So you can hopefully see where this first point comes from. A mixed kingdom. Now, admittedly, it's, it's a slightly confusing title, but it works well with the other one, so we're we'll going with it. Because there is only one kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Um, which you're either in or you're out of. Um, but we'll go with it, it's a mixed kingdom. <laughs> Jesus' is point is this. In the world, two types of people will coexist. Side by side. People of the kingdom of heaven, and people who are not part of the kingdom. That's his point. Now, you might say, well, that's just obvious, isn't it? But let's just try and tease out some of the implications of this reality. First thing to see is that this helps us to, to begin to make sense of why there remains evil in the world. And crucially, why God isn't doing anything about it right now. That's where we started, wasn't it? Could God end all the evil straight away? Yes, he could. He could wipe out everyone who is selfish or, or greedy or, or actively pursuing others' harm. Actually, that doesn't leave many of us, does it? We've all, we're all guilty of being selfish. Times. In uh, in one of the letters in the New Testament, two Peter chapter three verse nine, it says that in this time that we're living in, Jesus is waiting patiently that he doesn't want to judge yet. And that's because he doesn't want people to perish. Jesus is waiting patiently. He wants to give people time to repent, to, to come into the kingdom, to, to turn their back on selfishness and evil and accept Jesus. And so that means for now, while Jesus is being patient, he allows this world to run. He allows people to make the choices that they want to make, which sometimes means people make bad choices. It sometimes means that there are evil choices. Choices to go to war and and build bombs and and hurt other people. Jesus allows that, with sadness, to give as many people as possible time to turn back to him. to, To accept him as king and to enter the kingdom of heaven. He will deal with it one day. He's not just forgetting about it. People will receive justice. And we'll come to that in a minute. But for now, Jesus is patient. And because of that, we experience evil in this world. If you're a Christian today, you should be thankful for this patience. The only reason you are a Christian is because Jesus had patience with you. He overlooked your rejection of him. Your living as though he is not king, Your selfishness. He had patience with you until you trusted him. Until you entered his kingdom. And if you are part of his kingdom already, it means that he's still overlooking those same things because we continue to sin. We continue to be selfish. We haven't shaken that off fully yet. He's overlooking them in you now until all things are made new. But the other side of that coin is that it means that we live in a mixed world, a mixed kingdom, a world where some belong to the kingdom and, and others don't, a world, a world where evil still exists where sin and suffering and wrongdoing haven't yet been brought to an end, while Jesus waits patiently for people to come back to him. Could God stop it all now? Yes, of course he could. But the fact that he isn't doing so yet isn't because he's not good. It doesn't mean he's not just. It's because he doesn't want to pull up the weed with the weeds. He wants to give the opportunity for all to ripen, for for as many as possible to repent and to come into the kingdom before he wraps up this world. It's precisely because he's good that he stays his arm, that he delays his wrath to give people a chance to enter the kingdom. But that means that for now, we all must endure the brokenness of this world. That's the first implication of, of living in a mixed kingdom. Let me try and apply this kind of idea of a mixed kingdom uh, in a slightly different direction. So, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, or, or even you've been around churches for a while, I wonder if you've ever um, heard or maybe even prayed a prayer like this. Something like, I pray for every single person in this town to come to know you. Or, um, I pray for every student in this university to become a Christian this mission week. That kind of prayer. Now, on the one hand, you have to admire the boldness of these prayers, don't you? God is, of course, absolutely able to do amazing things like that. Of course he could. But, in the end, faith in Jesus is less about expecting him to do the biggest things that we can imagine. And it's more about trusting him to do the things that he said he's going to do. Let me say that again because I think it's really important. Faith in Jesus... It's less about expecting him to do the biggest things that we can imagine. And it's more about trusting him to do the things that he said he's going to do. Sometimes that does mean that we trust him to do extraordinarily miraculous things that we barely believe are possible. Sometimes that's what faith looks like. But sometimes it means trusting him through hard things. Through things that we would do differently. Because that's how he says it will be. And Jesus says that in this world, there will always be, side by side, those who belong to the kingdom of heaven and those who don't. And so when we we go out there, we share the good news of Jesus. We should pray that Jesus will save. But when not everyone responds in faith, we shouldn't be disheartened. This is how Jesus said it would be. A mixed kingdom. It's not failure when that happens. Now, I'm not trying to be a a, a kind of Debbie Downer (laughs) by saying this. What I'm trying to do is help us to see the world and to see the kingdom as Jesus sees it. To trust him. But there's an opposite danger, um, as I'm saying this. And the opposite danger is this. On the one extreme, we can mistakenly expect everyone to become a Christian. But on the other extreme, we can expect no one to. Well, Jesus anticipated that opposite extreme as well. And he sought to address it in the other two parables that come in this little section. And so we thought firstly about a mixed kingdom. That was the first point. Our second point this afternoon is this, a growing kingdom. I wonder if you noticed, as the passage was being read earlier, that Jesus didn't go straight from that that parable of the weeds, the story he said, to the explanation of that story. No, in between the parable and the explanation, he told two more parables. And I think that's deliberate. It's not just that his kind of mind was all over the place and he went from here to there and then back to here. I think he deliberately put these two parables in the middle to speak into one of the kind of possible false conclusions that people might come to from the parable of the weed. The parable of the weeds showed us that in this world there will always be a mix of those who are in the kingdom and those who are not. And it would be possible to think, therefore, that we just should just kind of hunker down and weigh it out. Anticipating that, Jesus told two stories. The first is of the mustard seed. It's a very simple story. He says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts as just a tiny little seed... But then it grows, and it grows until it becomes a huge plant, a tree, big enough um, for birds to perch in. starts small, and then it, it doesn't stay that way. And the point's simple, that's what the kingdom is like, he's saying. The kingdom starts very small, but it doesn't stay that way. It grows as more and more people become part of it. And then he told the parable of the yeast, which has a really similar point. The, the woman is, is baking bread, and she has tons, well, 30 kilograms of flour, which is a lot of flour, um, and a tiny little bit of yeast. But before you know it, that tiny bit of yeast has worked its way throughout the whole of the flour, having its effect in all of the flour. It's the same idea. It starts something very small, and then it becomes really big. And so Jesus' simple point with these two parables is this. The kingdom of heaven is a growing kingdom. Let me tell you why that's important for us to see. We thought about that person who was praying that kind of everyone in the town or the university or whatever would become a Christian, and how the reality of a mixed kingdom means that that's not a prayer that's likely to be answered. That's one kind of person that you might have seen in churches. But there's another kind of person, um, if you've been a Christian for a while around churches, that you, that you might also recognise. I'm going to call her Holy Huddle Hilda. not the easiest thing to say. I should have chosen an easier name. Holy Huddle Hilda. Um, often, but not always, holy Huddle Hilda is someone who's been a Christian for some time. She's faced some knocks in life. Maybe some rejection for being a Christian. Her, her few attempts earlier in life of sharing her faith didn't go well. She's been battered and bruised by the reality of living on the front line of a mixed world that we've been describing. And so this is how she's responded. She's retreated. She thinks the best that Christians can hope for is to keep going to the end, to, to not fall away from Jesus. It's a, a batten down the hatches, put on the blinkers kind of approach. That's the best we can hope for. Just get your head down and crack on, and hopefully you'll keep going to the end. That's not the vision of the kingdom that Jesus has for you. Yes, the world will always be missed. The weeds taught us that. But in amongst that, often subtly, And without fanfare, the kingdom of heaven is growing. More and more are added to it until a small mustard seed grows into a mighty tree. Just apply that to your life group for a moment. Or how you think about your life group if you're part of Grace Church. How do you see life group? Our vision of life group is that it will be a place that is like the vision of the kingdom that Jesus paints here that it would be constantly welcoming in those who are not yet part of the kingdom and that some of them, by God's grace, would put their trust in Jesus and that the kingdom would grow. If your vision of life group or of church more generally is simply that it will help you keep going in a world that is hard, if that's the extent of your vision, then I want to just gently suggest that your vision is too small. It might be good to ponder these parables, of the mustard seed and of the yeast, and then raise our expectations and as a result change our behaviour, pursuing the growth of the kingdom that Jesus has promised and that Jesus is bringing about. He is bringing about, isn't he? When Jesus told these parables, he was speaking to just a small group of followers. That's what the kingdom was then. That was the kingdom of heaven, Jesus, and these few people who followed him. The a mustard seed. It's not that now. There is not a country in the world that doesn't have followers of Jesus. The yeast has worked through the flour. The seed has grown into a mighty tree. There are now billions of followers of Jesus and it continues to grow. I think it's good to reflect on that through history. And I think it's good to reflect on that as our story here in Grace Church as well. Kathy and I were chatting on Friday with Amy and Rory about the extraordinary way that God has grown his kingdom here in Hartlepool, through Grace, There's been so many people who have been part of us, who have heard the gospel. There's been many of those who have have come into the kingdom. Some of them aren't here in Hartlepool anymore, but like the yeast spread through the flour, they've gone to different parts of the country and the world, and the kingdom continues to grow. It's a growing kingdom. Yes, it's a mixed kingdom, a kingdom that at times means there is evil and selfishness and suffering, as Jesus waits patiently for people to repent. But it's also a growing kingdom. People do repent. So a mixed kingdom, a growing kingdom. And finally, let's think about the coming kingdom. Let's just dip back into the parable of the weeds for the last few minutes. Because we started by thinking about the brokenness of this world, did not we? And and how we long for us to change. And we long for it to be different? And we saw that the reason Jesus hasn't done anything about it yet is to give people time to enter the kingdom. But the parable of the weeds shows us that one day Jesus will do something about it. He is not indifferent. He is not powerless against the evil in this world. One day the harvest will be ready. All will be gathered up. And on that day the wheat will be sorted from the weeds. In this parable, Jesus says, there is a day that the harvest will come. There's a day when all evil will be dealt with. When everything that causes sin, all who do evil, will be destroyed. And then there'll be a new creation, where the world will be free from pandemics and and wars and and the effects of climate change and, and everything that is bad. That will happen one day. That's what this parable tells us. And so in light of that day... In light of the coming harvest, of the coming kingdom, I think there are two responses that we might give It might be that you're not yet part of that kingdom. How do you know if that's you? Well, here's what it means to be part of that kingdom. It means coming to Jesus, the king, and saying to him that you want him to be your king. It means coming to him and acknowledging all of the ways that you've lived as though he isn't king. All of the times that you've ignored him. All of the times that you've hurt the people in his kingdom and the people that he's made. To, to be part of the kingdom of heaven means to come to the king who died on a cross for you. To pay for your rebellion. We thought about how after harvest, the weeds and the wheat will be separated and the weeds will be destroyed but the king of the kingdom has been and he was destroyed on that cross for you so that you don't have to face that destruction at the end. If you come to him, if you, if you tell him that you've rejected him, if you ask him to be your king, if you say sorry, he promises that you will be accepted, you will be part of that kingdom. But if you choose not to, And he says that when that harvest comes, it will be you that's destroyed. He doesn't want that to be your outcome. That's why he waits patiently now for you to come to him. And as of today, it's not too late. He wants to welcome you, but, but one day it will be too late. So that's the first response. If you're not part of that kingdom today, that's what Jesus calls you to. But if you are part of that kingdom, if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, then what Jesus calls you to, your response is patience. The reality of living in this mixed kingdom is sometimes hard, sometimes really hard. We long for it to change. One day it will. If listen to the words of Jesus, verse 43, on that day, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. That future awaits you, if your father. So, for now, be patient. Keep pursuing the growth of the kingdom. Be patient in the face of suffering and evil, because one day you will shine like the sun in the kingdom of your father, and all evil and sin will be no more. Those who have it, you have them to Let me pray. Oh Jesus, thank you that you are the king. We wouldn't ask for any other king. Thank you that, that you're the king who died for us. The king who faced destruction so that we don't have to. The king who waits patiently, bearing with our selfishness and evil, so that we can come back to you, that we can accept your free gift of salvation, your free gift of taking that destruction for us, so that we don't have to. Please, Father, please, Lord Jesus, I pray that everyone here would um, be part of that kingdom, that that we would all come to you, acknowledge you as king, and receive your free gift of forgiveness. Thank you that your kingdom is a growing kingdom thank you that we've experienced that here that history tells that story and that history and, and the future will go on telling that story and i pray that you would help us to to pursue being part of that story to pursue the growth of your kingdom and do you that you promised that that will be and um, that will be the story and so help us to show faith by by being part of it And I pray that you would help us to be patient, Lord. Patient in the face of suffering, of evil, of of situations that we don't understand, and we don't understand why and um, you haven't intervened. Help us to trust you. To know that this is a mixed kingdom, but that there is a coming kingdom where all of that will end.